What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. If you love guitars, guitar music, gear, and all that good stuff, then you're in the right place. And if you want even more guitar content, go and check out Axes and Blades across Instagram, Facebook, and wherever else you get your guitar content. So today, something caught my eye going around on guitar pages and stuff like that. Um, It was an article from guitar.com with a bit more insight into a new story that kind of came out earlier this year in the guitar world, which was that Fender are phasing out the use of Swamp Ash on a lot of their guitars. Well, phasing out the use of Swamp Ash on almost all their guitars apart from kind of the highest end and like uh, accurate vintage remake kind of things that they'll do, limited run stuff, special run stuff. Apart from that kind of stuff, and I think some custom shop options and things like that. Swamp Ash has kind of gone from the Fender lineup and it was of course a big part of Fender guitars traditionally and something you would see often in their construction and in their options throughout their lineup. So an interesting thing. And this article shed a bit more light on why it was that Fender went that way and how uh, kind of articles and stuff in Scientific American show that that might be just the start and that this might be the start of seeing Swamp Ash disappearing from guitars basically for two reasons um one they 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 relate to climate change is causing um changes in basically flooding in the areas where Swamp Ash is growing and that makes it very difficult for logging companies to get to the Swamp Ash because usually the there's a point in the year where the flooding recedes and then all the big logging trucks and so on can go on and harvest the swamp ash and that's not been possible because of extensive flooding which uh, is believed to be related to climate change and also there is an invasive species a beetle that um, essentially puts its larvae into the trees and that means that the trees can't properly get nutrients and what they need to survive and grow and that's that's killing off and and, and damaging a bunch of the trees and, and making them uh, basically have a bunch of problems in that way as well um, and that that beetle is spreading ridiculously quickly maybe faster than anything else uh, any other invasive species ever before in the US um, in terms of attacking plant life and trees um, and therefore it looks like things will get worse before they get better so swamp ash could be disappearing and it's something I just wanted to highlight because it's kind of becoming a thread on this podcast looking at wood species looking at builders going for new materials either out of a sustainable reasoning or because time's kind of changing both of which cover this story this story kind of comes under both of those and also just builders looking to move beyond simply what's traditional simply what is there we all know that these traditional woods um particularly in in terms of what leo fender picked were done because of what was good to work with what was easy to get what was efficient what was um basically going to work out in a business sense from every angle of that in a factory manufacturing process putting these guitars together quickly easy to assemble um these bolt on neck guitars that do not take an enormous amount of time to put together relative to other guitars and other instruments it was about wood species that fit into that model well and were plentiful and available and economical to get and to, to work with in this way. And so it's cool to see builders saying, hey, just because that was the way it used to be, and hey, we still love those, we can still offer that, doesn't mean we always need to be using it, so let's look at more materials. 
With what happened with Rosewood, if you kind of get a bit of a broader view, what happened with Rosewood and the Sightys thing, what happened with Swamp Ash here, it seems to be that even though guitar builders and even big guitar companies like Fender use such a relatively small amount of wood uh, when you look kind of generally at wood consumption and wood being used in production and manufacturing across the world, such small numbers really are used for guitar building relative to how how much wood is used and how many trees are harvested in other production methods including like furniture making and things like that um and all sorts of other things all sorts of other construction of things and manufacturing guitars use such a small amount of that and that of course was the thing with rosewood being added to societies and then they had to rediscuss it and then guitars were giving it given an exception to that the reason guitar making was given an exception is because one it wasn't really um the contributing the main or one of the main even contributing factors to rosewood ending up on the size list in the first place um because of it being over harvested in an unsustainable manner that wasn't really because guitar building um and also guitar building uses so little that to give it an exemption would mean that you weren't necessarily causing a problem with rosewood but as you can see when that change happened in the industry just because of the adjustments that need to come because of production methods of both small builders and um people who are who are distributing wood and also these larger manufacturers like fender and these larger guitar factories um it's not sustainable it's not manageable for their business models to be constantly changing and react being very reactive and uh finding it very easy to on the fly change what they're doing change the specs of their guitars they have to do that often enough anyway to bring out new lineups and to get us interested and to bring out new signature models and to, to bring out new possibilities that get us interested right they're doing that all the time anyway they can't also be reactive in the sense of getting uh, wood from different places sourcing new wood from different places and constantly having to react to either societies or a problem like this with the swamp patch to be able to just quickly year by year on the fly go oh now we're offering this wood now there's no rosewood now it's power now it's not swamp patch now it's red alder or whatever it is they're using to replace swamp patch just not really feasible to be constantly doing that it's like you're going to be bringing out your normal guitar lineups as often as you do that and then you're also going to be, have to be like almost doing the work of bringing out another guitar lineup keep track of this stuff if you're going to be doing that so as you can see even though guitars do not necessarily contribute to these problems even if guitars can be made in super sustainable ways this is still going to be impactful this is still going to be have an impact um small builders can maybe adjust a little bit more because they're they're building at a smaller scale and so to be able to adjust um their sourcing for these smaller amounts of wood even when wood goes in and out of how available it is and how, how restricted it is that's something that small builders can react to some extent but maybe they don't even want to if trends of guitar building change because of these other things if trends in what we as guitars want have and then then perhaps builders won't be necessarily super interested in 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 trying to source more difficult wood but you know also if they're building custom guitars and they're doing custom orders then if they've got places to source this wood they can always say you know well that wood is now more expensive because it's harder to source and so the small builders can definitely react a lot more than than anyone um creating a lot more guitars than than just custom orders and so on and so forth so it's worth pointing out because I think it is going to have an impact on guitar builders. I think it's going to have have an impact on us. It's going to have an impact on us because 
we're not going to maybe have the complete freedom of choice that we maybe got used to over the last bunch of years. I guess that's a common theme in the things we consume in general, the idea that maybe things are going to start to be a little bit more restrictive, a little bit more restricted, and not necessarily because of regulation or, or anything that we can vote on or decide not control. However, you fall on one side of that argument or another. The truth of it is that things might just become not sustainable, um, disliked, and so businesses are going to move away from it for that purpose. It's just not going to work, basically. There's just this, this, this sense that these things certain things are perhaps not going to work and it's, we're not just going to have a complete freedom of choice like we maybe got used to. I think it's going to be the way for guitars. Um, and I think one thing that's cool to see is obviously Fender, it seems like they were kind of pushed into this because the supply was not there. The supply became too difficult with Swamp Ash. Um, to throw up another consideration in terms of what the future of guitar would look like and how it might be more different, but also to have a look at how because we use wood in small amounts for guitar, it doesn't necessarily need to be like that. And that if we start to be sustainable and sensible and basically just smart and intelligent and, and reactive and flexible and all the, all these things which are good anyway to be a creative person, to be a craft person, to be a business owner, and all of those are skills that you should be exercising anyway, actually. Um and they'll be particularly useful when it comes to protecting the natural world and, like I said, being a better craftsperson, being a better person in general. Those are positive, good skills. I think this, looking at this other company and this other example really sheds a positive light in all those ways, and that's Taylor Guitars. I think that Taylor Guitars are the big company that are most reminding me of what the smaller builders are doing. If you've listened to episodes of this podcast before, you know that I've talked about the local wood project with the EGB, European Guitar Builders Association. You'll know that I've talked about builders using waterborne finishes for sustainability. I've talked about builders using sensibly sourced wood. And a lot of these smaller builders have sustainable business practices in place already. They already know that we have to start doing this right now to protect the planet but also to make sure this industry makes sense and can function and to keep providing people with the guitars that inspire them you actually need to be protective now it's in our self-interest as well as the bigger idea of protecting the planet um obviously we all we can all say we feel that should motivate you but um sometimes what can help motivate all of us especially as a big group is to throw something selfish out there right it's almost like when it is a charity you know we should donate the charity anyway but we're more likely to do it if they run a cool interesting event and then they pay that we have to pay a ticket price to get in and then we say hey look i donated but also i get i i know that i was more likely to do it because they threw this event i could have sent them any day of the year that 10 bucks that 20 bucks but i did it on the day that they were running an event because we know that that just kind of works better um as much as we do care it pushes you over a little bit to care that little bit more and actually act on it maybe if there's something selfish and that in this case i think that's that people are starting to say particularly smaller builders hey we need to actually if you're gonna keep being able to buy the guitars that you love and guitars with recognizable kind of species and materials and the idea that you can order a guitar from here in the world and it gets shipped to you here if you want any of that to carry on 
to any extent, we need to start being smarter about it, all of it, right now, making some choices, including some hard choices right now. Otherwise, this is just not going to work. Um, and I think Taylor Guitars are showing more signs of that than any of the other big companies and are reminding me more of these smaller, very conscious builders than any of the big companies right now, to be honest with you. You know, how much of this is a marketing thing? How much of it is bluster? I don't I don't know. I don't know. But But one thing that makes me think it's not just that is the amount of information out there. When a company does the whole either sustainability thing or anything, they try to you know, virtue signal or or jump on kind of any kind of political statement or bandwagon to try and make themselves look better, you know, which is something we see a lot of these days. I feel like one surefire way to sift between the, the people who genuinely mean it, who are genuinely living by a certain philosophy, their genuine beliefs, whether you agree with them or not, they actually have a genuine belief. And those that are just signaling and just kind of trying to twist something into a bit of marketing is the volume of content. If it's just one tweet or if it's just one article or it's just one interview they give and then you kind of don't really hear about it again. In the, in the guitar world, it's relevant to one range of guitars and then uh, at NAMM the next year, it kind of doesn't seem to really be part of the strategy. It seems not very genuine to me. It's not a foolproof way to determine. It just based on the likelihood of things, I think that it's less likely that that was something genuine, if that's the case. However, if you see year after year after year it being a central part of whatever this message is, it being a central part of interviews they give, their new ranges every single year at NAMM, uh, in their YouTube videos, if there's series of videos dedicated specifically to this, if the CEO won't shut up about it, if... Uh, they have articles and blogs and a section of their website dedicated just to this or a whole separate website that they dedicate just to this idea and keep telling you about it. And it comes into the names of the guitars and the choices of the guitars and all of this stuff. I feel like that's that's when there has it's much more likely there's something genuine, in there, at least some kernel of, of genuine truth right at the center of that. And if you go and look into Taylor Guitars and you look at what they put out in terms of sustainability, in terms of what they're doing about wood and particularly their ebony project, you'll see that it is a hell of a lot of content. It's a hell of a lot of information. It's a deep dive. It's You'd have to really be, I guess, a bit cons- conspiracy-minded to think that this is just marketing. Does it get presented in a certain way? Sure, it's a company, I understand, but... If you're going to say this is all just marketing, it's a hell of a lot of effort um, for this just to be some ploy or something. Um, Like I say, there's some companies who maybe just go like, hey, we did this one thing because of sustainability. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't seem particularly genuine to me. If you really believe in it, it's going to be affecting your decisions every day. Taylor, it's something which I've been seeing in their adverts, in guitar magazines, in print, online, in interviews with with them, with Bob Taylor and stuff. It's been a huge portion of what they've been doing for a long time. The Ebony Project's a great example. It's just one part of it, but it's a big part of it. Basically, um, as far as I understand, part of the story was that they were looking to be very, in many, many, many ways, be very, very sensible and sustainable in the way that they were sourcing wood and materials for guitar. And they were really looking in a deep dive into what's the best way to do this going forward and being future-minded. And I believe Bob Taylor tells a story of... They're in, uh, I believe it's actually in Cameroon. Um, they're 
they're in an area where they, there's ebony and they use ebony on like basically every Taylor guitar has some ebony on there, whether it's just the bridge piece or whatever it is, whether it's also the fretboard or not. Um, and that the, they started talking about sustainability, you know, how sustainable is, is this wood here? And the person there said, oh, we can build guitars no, from here, source wood for guitars, source ebony for guitars from here. No worries. We can keep building guitars for the rest of our lives. He said, oh, really? Wow. I said, yep, there's there's wood here that's not going to run out for 30 years. And obviously that was meant to impress. That was meant to give Bob Taylor the idea that, well, there's nothing to worry about. That's a really, really long time. It's supposed to impress him. And instead it kind of had the opposite effect and that just made him immediately think, 30 years, that's not long enough. Just because you can make guitars for the rest of your career... That is not, don't worry about it, we can keep making guitars here. That's not forever. We're talking about we we need we need to be making guitars in 50 years, in 100 years. And that's not just as a company, that's as players. Like, we, we still want to, we don't want to think the guitar is going to die. You know, look at all the the yelling at each other that happens whenever there's some article about the, the guitar dying out or something. You know, the idea that you can't, that you just can't get wood for this stuff or it would become such a big problem that everything would become so restricted that... Building guitars is not really such a sustainable thing and you'd see companies got a business and you'd see it become so restricted. There wouldn't be the creativity of builders and companies and we wouldn't all be able to sit here and talk endlessly about the different kinds of guitars that inspire us in different ways because it would become so restrictive and that's the kind of thinking that Taylor had. And so the Ebony Project is basically they've become kind of part owners and in a business sense and a personal sense involved in the um sourcing and production of the ebony itself and so they're going to be you know engaging in replanting and doing research in order to make the most sustainable possible um source of ebony that they have themselves and that hopefully leads the way in showing the world and showing other wood producers that we can produce wood like this and it can basically create a sustainable model for wood species that are useful in guitar building to ensure the future of our industry to ensure the planet's better protected to ensure local people are better protected because it's ethical sourced wood you know where it's come from you know the people are treated right solve any problems related to this and start doing it now so that it ensures 50 100 years you're not causing problems with your guitars it's all about just a great instrument made by passionate people and there's nothing else that you need to worry about and that's really to me the most similar thinking to small builders and smaller companies and smaller workshops that I've ever seen from a bigger company. And it's a really sustained effort and it's big and you see it in a lot of things that Taylor talk about outside of this project as well, about where they source their wood, about how ethical it is, about how sustainable it is, and that that is a central part of what they want to do and who they want to be and what they want to be doing as a as a company. And that all of us as musicians, as creatives, as guitar lovers have a stake in that as well as just human beings on the planet and we should be interested in it and i think it's super cool to see that that's a big part of what they're doing and that they want to make a difference and they have a legacy and make a big difference a positive impact in ensuring the future of our instrument the future of making music and being inspired the way that we want to be so to me whether you're interested in all these different aspects of it and all these different elements of it and the bigger idea of how it seems to be generally the way stuff is going uh in a lot of different industries a lot of different parts of our lives just as a guitar player guitar enthusiast guitar nerd guitar pervert whatever 
this seems to be something to me that is going to just be more and more on our minds. We're going to see more and more stories about it. It's going to be impacting us more and more. And it's going to change the instruments that's in our hands. It's going to change what we're going to be sitting here talking about and listening to each other talk about. It's going to change that whether we're taking a super big interest in any of these aspects of it or whether that doesn't interest us. It's going to be impacting us more and more and more as these companies turn their attention to it as they're forced to. This is the the trend, the shift, the the change that, that I think is going on right now. To the extent that I don't think the, the kind of Rosewood Cites thing will be any kind of standout event in a few years. I think that this is the norm. What Taylor are doing, what all these small builders are doing and talking about, Dymel with their local wood usage, with their treated thermal, treated woods, in order to try and get some of the characteristics of more exotic woods, but using local, sustainably, ethically sourced wood. And what happened with Fender? I think this is going to be the norm. I think we'll see more and more stories like this every year. I think we'll see it affecting not just the wood species, but guitar making, the guitar industry, how the guitar industry works. And I think it will change more and more and more what we talk about and the instruments in our hands and what we consider normal in guitars and what we consider um, normal in terms of how often that changes and and the different features and aspects and options that are available to us. I think this is a great example with these two stories because they're two completely different stories. You've got Taylor coming from a kind of personal place, it seemed, but then as a company becoming actively interested in, involved in the idea that they need to start looking at it right now. They're kind of feeling a bit forced to look at it right now because of certain changes, but feeling like they need to look at this idea of where do things come from, what's sustainable, what's ethical, how much control and knowledge do they have with regards to where they get their wood from, their materials from, and putting a big effort into these projects that they then put a huge amount of information out about and make a central part of who they are as a company. That's massively different to the Fender story of just kind of being hit by, impacted by this change outside of what they control and that forcing them to to change and that then altering what we obviously get in terms of Fenders and what we buy and what we want to play and what we get inspired by. Two totally different stories, but both part of this shift, this trend. If you throw in what we talked about with other builders here, like the work of I just mentioned, Daimler Guitar Works, the EGB and their local wood builds, my JHG Yasher, part of the local wood competition. All of these, I feel like there's just more and more of these stories and more and more of this consciousness and whether it comes from a personal ethical sense of responsibility, some kind of focus on sustainability for people who have that in their mind with everything they do, whether it comes from some kind of pure business perspective or just from the fact that acknowledging as people that are working with wood and working with natural materials, inherently the guitar is linked to the natural world and you just can't escape that. Wherever it comes from, this is something that I'm seeing more and more. Like working in the industry, these conversations are coming up more and more. And I feel that that is the interesting thing, not just any one of these stories, you know, which can be interesting. Oh, no more Swamp Bash on a Fender. Will that change values of the Swamp Bash existing ones, etc., etc., etc.? There's interesting stuff in there. Taylor, oh, are you interested in Taylor guitars? Do you like that this is part of it? Do you like that they seem to care as a company? You know, blah, blah, blah. These stories individually we can talk about, which we, we do on this podcast, but 
moreover, I wanted to just highlight these stories to go along with all the other similar stories I've mentioned on the podcast already to say that I think this is an emerging trend. Like I say, I don't think the Rosewood story is going to stand out when we look back in 10, 20 years. I think this is part of a shift that's happening right now when you're in the middle of it it's hard to see everything happening in real time it feels like this thing happens and a few years later this thing happens you don't really see the pattern when you're in it that easily but i think this is the way it's going it's the way it's going in life in general with everything like i say but i think in guitar building guitar buying guitar enthusiasts just what musicians have in their hands in general everything that we talk about here from the businessy side of it to the industry side of it to the pure creative musician side of it to the what inspires you side of it to the hey what's happening in the guitar world to the gear nerd side of it to the favorite musicians and what inspires you about their playing every single side of it is 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 i think shifting and moving and having to react to this because it's going to affect everything and i think that's what interests me more it's just the fact that this shift is happening and i think this is going to be more and more part of our consciousness and something that's just going to be more and more prevalent for all of us whatever interest and angle we take to this stuff so anyway that's just my two cents looking at these this new story about the swamp ash and the developments in that for fender and then thinking again about the taylor stuff and looking at more of their stuff on what they've been doing with the ebony project uh and obviously in my work with guitar builders and the conversations i have working in the industry like that's kind of what's what's apparent to me is i think this is a pattern i think this is going to be really a big thing for all of us and going to be very impactful and on all of our minds more and more and more as guitar nerds perverts players whatever so go and check that stuff out check out the fender story about swamp patch on guitar.com check out the stuff from taylor including the ebony project if you're interested in this stuff um check out Dymo guitar works as well as i mentioned um because they also have lots of interesting information about what they do with wood treatment and so on and check out the egb and the local wood project and all of these things that i've mentioned in previous podcasts as well and our last suggestion for today as always it's all about making music so we end with some music we end with a suggestion of a track or an artist or something awesome to go and check out an album um because at the end of the day it's all about music and what inspires us and that's why we're all here at the end of the day so the track i want to suggest today is by the band helms ali and i am recommending you check out their track dangling modifier i've loved this track for a long time um i come back to it again and again and again today and and uh, today was just like another example of that it's just like for some reason it will just draw me back in again and again this track awesome guitar work massive sound on there really powerful hard hitting enormous sounding track it just fills your the, the space you put it on speakers it just fills the room it's it's enormous and loud and it's got some heaviness to it which is great and the guitar work is super super cool as well great clarity to the guitar here that really punches above it it's a really full track but the the bass and the drums are taking up a lot of that low end and the, the guitar has this real presence and, and and clarity and it's not necessarily filling a lot of the kind of sonic space there but all together as a band it's doing it which is actually a really cool thing that, that i think helms are great at so dangling modifier is is good track to check that out on so yeah dangling modifiers by helms ali go check it out that's all for today enjoy that music enjoy whatever music you like 
play a bunch of guitar, have a good one, and I'll catch you tomorrow.